Welcome back, everybody. This is Dennis Mann, and welcome to my podcast about the disappearance of young Kristen Montefiore back on June 23rd in 1997. I want to begin by telling you about a little bit about who Kristen was. But Kristen was just 18 years old when she vanished. Uh, in, after she finished her freshman year at North Carolina State University, she had the summer off. And she decided for the first time in her life, she wanted to spread her wings. She wanted to be somewhere on her own, not in a dorm. She just wanted to do something by herself. And uh, she decided to head out to San Francisco for the summer, but she already had some um, serious goals in mind. She wasn't going to go out there and just waste time. When she landed, she had already enrolled at Berkeley. She took a couple summer classes that would apply to her degree back in Raleigh. She got NC State to approve it. They would transfer the credits. And uh, she also got a part-time job, found a a place to rent in Oakland. San Francisco was just too expensive, so she would take the BART from Oakland into San Fran every day. And um, and she planned on being there just for the summer. She's going to be back for her first day of school uh, for her sophomore year back in NC State. Now, one of the great things the Montefiore's have going for them in this is unbelievable nightmare is that Kristen was only in the Bay Area for 23 days. And the reason why that's extremely important, and I'm, I'm all in on this one, everybody. I'm, this is where this is a loop that keeps going around my mind as I'm thinking about Kristen. The FBI's got this stat that says 96.4% of the time when a woman meets with foul play, she knows the attacker, the assailant. Yeah, ex-husband, boyfriend, neighbor, co-worker, what have you. So, in other words, they're saying that really, really random assaults are not very common. There's always some kind of emotional connection between the assailant and, and the victim. And uh, being that Kristen was only in the Bay Area for 23 days, we've, the Montefiore's and I, we've gotten pen and paper out and wrote down the names and We've come up with somewhere between, it's a guess, we admit it, it's 35 to 50 people that she know. But Kristen didn't live in the Bay Area, so she didn't know thousands of people. So and in some ways, this case is like shooting fish in a barrel. You know, we've got, we've got the 35 to 50 people in front of us that the FBI says 96%. Now, I shared this with an agent one day, an FBI agent, a retired guy, and he told me that that was wrong. He said, Dennis, it's not 96, it's more like 99. So... This is really important, and in a moment, I'm going to tell you, if, if you have a heart for missing people and you want to get involved, but you're afraid that you know, you're not a, a, a law enforcement police officer or a private investigator, you can still help, and I'm going to show you some proof here in, in a couple seconds. But just about Kristen, I share this with everybody. Remember when Mike Tyson bit off Evander Holyfield's ear in that, in that ghoulish boxing match? Well, that happened uh, six days after... Kristen disappeared. Kristen disappeared June 23rd of 1997. That was a Monday. Well, that Saturday was when that boxing matched. That tells you how long ago this was. But just because it happened long ago doesn't mean it's any less tragic right now. So um, I don't buy into the fact that let's move on. It's just not part of our DNA here. But uh, like I say, Kristen was uh, 18 when she disappeared. Her birthday was, she turned 18 on June 1st. And on, on her 18th birthday, she actually flew from Charlotte out to Oakland. And um, she found a place to live on Jane Avenue, if, if you know uh, the, that part's near Lake Merritt, if you're familiar with the um, Oakland area. And uh, right away, she hit the ground running. She started putting applications in all over the place. And a place called Spinelli's Coffee hired her. 
And the manager of the, of the coffee shop, Bernadette Melvin, she told us later that when Kristen walked in the door, she didn't have a job opening. She was full. She, she couldn't take anybody else on, but she was so caught up with Kristen's youthful infectiousness and her personality. She told Kristen, said, Kristen, I don't have a place for you here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make room for you. So come on, you can start. I'll, I'll find some hours for you. And so Kristen did that. And then she knew that was really, really part-time there. She couldn't get full-time hours. And, you know, she wanted to be responsible and be able to pay her rent and everything. So she went out and got a second job working a few blocks away at the Museum of Modern Art in, in, in the coffee shop there. So she would wor- work basically from like 7 to 3, 7.30 to 4, somewhere around that. Get out, and then the af- afternoon from June 1st till June 23rd, she would be like an urban tourist. She'd just get to know the Bay Area. Well, on June 24th is when her classes at Berkeley started. So all of her, her uh, tourism part of her summer vacation, it had to be done in those first three weeks. Because when the 24th happened, between getting up in the morning, going to work, then going to school, and then coming home, and then you got to sleep, her day was eaten up. So it was on her very, very, very last day, June 23rd, when she disappeared. But remember I told you about that statistic, 96.4%? What I'm thinking, 23 years later, let's go, let's move all our casino chips into the front table, right in the middle of the table there, and let's bet on that statistic being right. Let's recontact those 35 to 50 people as best we can, and that's where I'm going to need your help, and I'll get to that in a minute. We'll we'll let them know about this podcast. We'll interview them if, if they're willing to come on. And then we'll just try to bleed out into the larger uh, social media event. And maybe somebody will call in with a tip. There's a, great, there's a great example of what I'm trying to accomplish. This guy out in California, Chris Lambert is his name. And he got involved. He was, he was just a regular guy like you and I. He goes, I want to do something. And he has a, he has a, a born gift to tell a story. Um, Disney should hire the guy. And he did a podcast for a missing woman out in California, Kristen Smart. And in seven months, that podcast has 4.2 million downloads, which is way more than he was expecting. It caught everybody by surprise. But the advantage of that is a lot of leads started coming in to Chris that he would give to the local sheriff's department. And we would love to replicate that for Kristen Montefiore. Now, I was just talking to Kristen's father this morning, Bob. I said, Bob, we don't need 4.2 million. That's fantastic if we get it, but it's really window dressing. In order to find your child, we need to contact those 35 to 50 people and then bleed out into, into their social media networks and to see if anything comes in. So that's where I'm focusing uh, my time. And I've, I've talked to many of these, not all, but I've talked to many. Most people have been just wonderful. There have been a few people that were not very cooperative, but that's a, it's the a life we deal with. But here's something I want to share with you. If I were to ask somebody, you know, what do you do for a living? Somebody would, I would get various answers, right? You know, I'm a doctor, I work retail, I'm a plumber, a machinist, I'm a school teacher. Well, if I were to ask that question of a a specific person out in California, he would respond by saying to me, do you want to know what I'm doing now or what I've done with my life? And I said, well, tell me both. And uh, his answer would be, you know, when I was younger, I I built a, a banking empire and I used the money from that. And uh, now that I'm middle-aged, uh, I want to build electric cars, and I also want to build a tunnel. I'm building a tunnel 
underneath Los Angeles to help alleviate that crazy traffic out there. And in my spare time, what time I have left, I'm building rocket ships to go to Mars. And of course, you know, it's Elon Musk. And he said something that really made a ton of sense to me. And I'm going to use that to help try to find Kristen and give Kristen back to her mother and father and sisters. I have a companion website. It's called findkristen.com. And if you go to the podcast page for Kristen Mataferi, you'll see the audio clip that you're about to hear right now. But it's uh, Elon Musk. In order for him to build rocket ships to Mars and electric cars, and he has to require, he has to find highly talented people to help him achieve his goal. And it's not necessarily always college. And I'll get to that in a minute. My point is you don't have to be from Scotland Yard. You don't have to be the director of the FBI or the Secret Service to help Kristen. You just have to be you. And if you have an internet connection or a phone, we can use you. But let me share with you what Elon Musk had to share with an interviewer about the type of people he's looking for to help him achieve his goal of building rocket ships to Mars. College, No, there's no need even to have a college degree. Oh, well, okay. At all. Uh, or even high, high school. The, the, um, I mean, if somebody graduated from a great university, that may be an indi- that may be an indication that they will be capable of great things, but it's not necessarily the case. Um, you know, if you look at, um, say, people like uh, Bill Gates, or Larry Ellison, Steve Jobs, these guys didn't graduate from college. Out, yeah. But if yeah. you had a chance yeah. to hire them, of course, that would be a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, just looking just for evidence of exceptional ability. Um, and if there's a track record of exceptional achievement, then it's likely that that will continue into the future. Okay, so you just heard it from the man himself, Elon Musk, saying in order for him to achieve his goals of building electric cars and sending rocket ships to Mars, he needs to rely on assembling a team of highly qualified people who have a passion and they're willing to get out of bed in the morning and go after it. you got a problem, you focus, and you figure it out, and you move on to the next step. And uh, I'm... Uh, I'm not building rocket ships to Mars, but I'm doing something probably more important, and I'm trying to find a young woman who's lost and needs to be returned to her family. And that's about as good a thing you can do in your life. So if you have a skill set that you think you can lend to the Ferry family to help them find their child, I need you to please contact me. And to contact me, you can just go to uh, findkristen.com, or you can just reach out to me directly at 914-483-7214. My email is just dennismann, D-E-N-N-I-S-M-A-H-O-N, at uh, yahoo.com. Back to that 35 to 50 people, uh, fortunately, 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 there's two guys in California for the Oakland Police Department, uh, Officer uh, Patrick Mahaney and Sergeant John Bradley. They're both long since retired. But in the early days, in the critical early days, they were able to identify two people that they suspect, at the very least, know more than they're saying about Kristen's disappearance. And uh, I'm not afraid to name names here. John Onuma and Jill Lampo. And to this day, I know for a fact that they are still looking at those two do they really are they connected to Kristen in some way but the neat thing is you have to answer your question 
does John Onuma and Jill Lampo, do they fit into that definition of that subset of people on the planet of 35 to 50 people? And my answer to you right now is yes, they do. And we'll get into more details of that in the future because I'm going to do an entire podcast about both of them and how they are involved with Kristen's case. So I have to uh, do a little edit here. I almost forgot to mention something very important. If we get leads coming in, we're not going to be the ones investigating. We're going to take it. I'm going to, I'm going to forward it on to the Ferry family, or I'll just send it directly to the Oakland Police Department. I, I know the, uh, the contact person at, at Oakland PD, and I'll let them determine whether or not this information is any good. So, so our job is just to gather what comes in, and then we pass it on and let them know. Because the, the, the law enforcement, they've got a lot more information than I'll ever have, and they'll know pretty much right away what stuff that I send them is garbage or stuff that could really fit. So um, we're not want to be want to be cops here. We're just trying to gather information and give it to the Oakland Police Department or or give it to the Mata Ferries. I, I, might, I might do both. That that way, at least the Mata Ferries know that the information is being passed on. But I just want you to know that um, I do think that that FBI statistic. Is, is valid in this case. And one thing I forgot to mention earlier, I talked about that tremendous podcast uh, for Kristen Smart out in California. I forgot to mention the name of it. Uh, if you just go to your, your smartphone on your podcast app, do a search for uh, your own backyard. Uh, it's seven episodes, but it took this guy, Chris, about a year and a half to prepare those seven episodes. And if, if you want to listen to an example of somebody that knows how to tell a story at a very, very, very high level, listen to it. That's why he's got 4.2 million downloads in just seven months. Okay, going forward, once again, the companion website is findkristen.com. Uh, same thing with Facebook. We'll have a Facebook group. It's just Facebook forward slash findkristen. Thank you for your interest, and uh, collectively, let's do what we can to try to get Kristen back home to her family. All right, thank you. Thank you.